Mr. Arjun Lal, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. My pleasure. Absolutely. What an honor. Thank you. Hey, hey no, that's that's too much. The honor was a bit much. <laughs> no, it, 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 it is. I was looking at the people who you've had on this show and uh, yeah, I was very humbled and honored by the fact that you invited me on. So thank you. No, it's my pleasure. You know why? Because it's um, sometimes you just don't have to, you know, it, it's, you don't have to look too hard sometimes, you know, so you, you, you know, you, you kind of are uh, sometimes researching guests and sometimes you're lucky enough, you know, I was lucky enough to meet you after years and it's, I'm, I'm so glad that we could reconnect because, um, yeah, there's, there have been some really lovely people who reached out and I've reached out to have responded back for, to be on the podcast, but it's so amazing that I met you at this point in your life and we have hung out many years back when we were very different people individually as well. And, you know, as we've spoken, we met randomly where it wasn't even planned, where I borrowed your one length irons, which is not an innuendo. It's just I borrowed your one length clubs on the golf course. And um, then you told me your story and I want to just, you know, I, I've heard it and I still won't mind hearing it again. So thanks for agreeing to do this and uh, sharing, um, agreeing to share what you've sort of, I wouldn't say gone through, but what you've decided to do in your life and the path you've chosen for yourself. So appreciate it, man. Thank you. So, um, for people, you know, who haven't met you and haven't had the good fortune to call you a friend, uh, you've been a lawyer for 20 plus years? Almost 20 years, yeah. 20, 20 years. And uh, what kind of law were you in? Were you um, doing the corporate stuff or were you doing the um, appearing in court kind of law? I was a corporate lawyer. Okay. Um, I was at the firm Cyril Amarchand Mangalas for my mm. entire career. Uh, mm. Absolute absolute blessing to be with uh, the people there, Mr. Shroff there. Uh, mm. I specialize in capital markets and okay. I did mergers acquisitions. Um, mm. Yeah, I was head of South as well for a little while, but I spent my entire professional career at Cyril Amarchand Mangalas. So what was the motivation to, I mean, was there a, is there a leaning towards law in your family or was there a certain moment in your life that said, I need to go into this system and uh, work? None, none, none actually. It's a, it's a great story actually since you asked a question. I actually wanted to be a doctor. I was hmm. dead set. I come from a family of doctors. My grandfathers and their three times relatives removed. Everyone is a doctor and I really wanted to be a doctor. Well, when... When class 10, we were evaluating options and everyone was like, oh my God, you have to study bio. It's so hard. Oh God, bio. Five, five years residency and then MBBS and this and that. And all the doctors basically said, no, you cannot be a doctor. But I had this... What do you mean the doctors bio. and you can't be a doctor? Like doctors in your family I, said... Okay. Yes, they said, don't go down the profession. It is <laughs> like, it'll be, it'll be 10 years before you even see the inside of an OT. You'll be slaving away to all glory, blah, blah, blah. They said, don't mm. become a doctor. Become anything else you want to, but don't be a doctor. Right. Not even um, dentist. Just, <laughs> just no, nothing. No, okay. no, don't. Just avoid but the D I, word. <laughs> avoid the D word. So as in, in our time, and you, you can appreciate this, right? Mm. You either were an engineer or you were a doctor. Uh, mm. If you were not either of them, then what else did you end up doing? And um, this is in the 90s, like the late 90s, right? This is in 94. Right. Okay. Now that's just to give yeah. context for people now, because yeah. even later, if you fast forward to like 2001, uh, when I was looking at undergraduate options, 99, 2000, it was still maybe two more options, right? You could possibly consider 
you know, maybe it was engineer, doctor, maybe a lawyer, uh, or a fourth thing was that it's lit, but still it was quite limited. We didn't have the idea of content creator, YouTuber. We didn't have the option of freelancer. Those things were very limited, right? Absolutely. And um, at that point of time, I had a very dear friend who was studying for the IIT entrance exams. Mm. My parents were very keen that I give the engineering entrance exams. Mm. And he's the one who told me, like, you know what? Hey, uh, there is this place called law school. They do law, blah, 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 blah. Would you be interested? I right. said, yeah, sure. Well, uh, I applied for it. Mm. Uh, there's, there's an entrance exam. I gave the entrance exam. And this is the National Law School entrance. This is the National Law School right, exam. Right, right. At that point of time, there was the only one National Law School, and now there yeah. are many, and I'm happy to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, the most sort of prestigious law school at that it, point. It, it was the only one. It was the first time in the country that a five-year legal program had been set up. So students from class 12 could go straight and do a BA, LLB combined over a five-year program. Oh, is that what it was? That was the first of its kind uh, yes. combined program. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then it took off and then we have like 12, 10, 12, uh, uh, a lot more right. schools now. And yeah, much more of, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so my friend wrote the IIT entrance exam. I tried writing the IIT exam. Let me just say that. Right. Uh, but I think in my mind, I was playing basketball while I was actually sitting in the exam room somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I did study for the law school entrance exam. It was a whole bunch of general knowledge, logical reasoning, legal reasoning uh -huh. stuff. And I happened yeah. to get through. And how just at that point, you know, I'm going to because I wrote the entrance exam as well to national law school, and I'm not even going to mention my rank here because it, I think the top 60 or top 80 get in or something like that, right? And yes, the top 80 at that point of time, top 80, right? So I think it was around the same number when I was applying. And I just, you know, the, as you mentioned, you have these things which are uh, there in the SATs or have a similar kind of sections, right? Like GRE, where you have yep. logical reasoning, analogies, you have. Um, I think of legal reasoning, that's a new section, or what a section in specific yeah. to the law entrance. And I just can't do standardized tests, man. I can't. Like I've done the SATs and this is not to say the test is um, hard or it's extremely easy. This is a personal approach to standardized testing. I can't, I can't get my head around it. It's just those, those, those examples, those mock papers. I'm just like, no, this is not how I think. And see, clearly you have, a, at, even at that point, without uh, knowing it, you had a flair for the, for law, which obviously showed in the fact that you qualified in the top 80 for this massively attended um, uh, common exam. But did you feel that uh, it just came naturally to you just just to talk about that particular uh, entrance exam? Never did. It mm. never did. Honestly, it never did. I think I, mm. I was on the wait list. I got really lucky that a whole bunch of people dropped out before me. Mm. So I got through. Okay. And frankly, I think at that point of time, uh, what really held me well were two mm. things. One was general knowledge. We had right. a big section on general knowledge at that point of time. And the second section I would say was logical reasoning. Mm. Uh, I think those are the two sections which I think at least, uh, we don't know, but I think I scored well enough to, to pass the exam and barely make it through. Mm. Was I what I cut out to be a lawyer from day one? No, not at all. I struggled. The first ah. two, three years in law school, was I come from the regimented schooling system of Delhi and DPS Archipuram, right? Mm. Where we have sections going from A to S, like A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way oh, to wow. S okay. in, in, cla in class 12 with 50 kids each. And right. each one of them is being groomed to be a superstar and IQ higher than the other. I mm. came from one of those regimented state jacketed school systems. And yeah. to jump into a framework or a paradigm of law school where it was about 
thinking, it was about understanding, it was about logic, it was about connecting dots. I struggled. I really alien really concepts. Yeah, yeah. Wow, alien concepts. You, I really you feel kind of lost, right? Without that, uh, that, that. I mean, it's kind of this is what what I felt on a very different level when it went when I went to university abroad, and I talk about this as well. Is this not just the idea of living independently away from home? It's this you're thrown into this 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 space where you're not and 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 for as you said the, our entire schooling life was around this going for tuitions you're, and you're preparing yourself within the structure which is so rigid but that gives you comfort in that particular rigidity right and suddenly you're in this place where your um ability to uh, to to kind of think through situations problems and faced with challenges in academic context is valued and you're like but i don't I don't have anything which is I don't have that muscle which has been built up, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, not only that, I think law school or a educational system like the law schools and the arts colleges and NID and NFT and all of that mm. today, mm. they actually really take you out of your comfort zone. Mm. Uh, like you said, I, I am. I still am. Believe you. Believe you me. I am extremely stage stage conscious, stage mm. shy, stage fright. I hate the camera on me. Including right now, right? <laughs> okay. but what? But what you do in law school, right? You have to mm. stand up and you have to present a case. You have to stand up and make a presentation. You have to justify and argue in a mock trial. Terrifying. So yeah. for oh, it was terrifying. Like yeah. severely, severely terrifying. I used to stammer and stutter my way through my one hour, like through one hour presentations, which would eventually take three hours because I spent half the time stammering and stuttering through them. Mm. But it it really opened up my eyes to. who i could be and mm. what more was possible did i ever think i would be a good lawyer no but i know that 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 institution gave me two things number one it gave me a mentality that hey if there's an opportunity that comes your way it's up to you what you want to do with it mm-hmm. take take it with both hands and make the most of it what you can do mm. uh so it made me open to a whole bunch of experiences uh some good some bad some academic some non academic some yeah. personal uh you know like college life and all of that i of think course, that yeah. just really opened me up completely um and secondly it actually showed me the fact that it's not it's not relevant to know everything all the time you can't know everything all the time i can't recite the constitution of india mm. right or or the indian capital markets code i can't but i know where to find the right answer and i know what the regulators are looking for or what the right position is so it kind of shifted the focus away from that rote knowledge where you're supposed to mug up every single thing to effectively a paradigm shift of knowing where to find the right answer who do you speak to what's the right authority and draw your own logical conclusions to that eventual answer i think that those are the two yeah. big learnings for me for, from from law school Now it's amazingly important, right, to be more efficient in how you find the answers, as opposed yeah. to having the answers. Yeah. No, and I think what's I think a third thing which I can add to what your experience is is you didn't give up. You didn't just quit the program, right? Which um, I don't know if it's a sign of the sort of generation you come from, but it wasn't. Um, I mean, it, I don't think dropping out was. I mean, I don't think it was frowned upon. That was the reason, but. I think we stuck it through, um, and I'm going to sort of bracket myself in the same uh, generation. Is that we sort of uh, see this as, and and that I think that sort of ties into the second point you made, or the first point, which is 
um, it's an opportunity that's been presented to you. It might not seem like, and, and all this is in hindsight, of course, it might not seem like it's going to have any sort of uh, longevity in your life, but you kind of stick through it. And as a result, other things do come up in the periphery, you know? Absolutely. See, I think, I think our generation, and maybe I sound a little uh, patronizing when I say this, but our generation was brought up very different than the current generation. Mm. If you scored 98 on 100 and you went back home full of joy and said, mom, I got 98 on 100, mm. your mother would be like, well done. What happened to the other two moms? Mm, mm, mm. Where did those go? But today it's a whole different shift. You go back home and, you know, the kids are being applauded for going to school, <laughs> going to school, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think, so I don't, so quitting wasn't even in our vocabulary. I don't think I knew yeah. what the word meant. I think my it's both mom, in both case the parents that have created yeah. that environment, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom made sure that as children, my sister and I were brought up on a healthy diet of sports and athletics as well. Mm. And we both of us were we ran sub junior state level. We mm. played tennis. We did swimming. So you know when you're participating in an activity with other people, whether it's swimming or sports, even at a young age, you don't realize it. But just that fact that you're doing this with other people imbibes you, imbibes in you in a certain strength, uh, yeah. a strength of character, a strength of will, a strength of determination, not a sense of outcome. Yes, okay, it's so great. You wanted to be fast and first and all of that. But it, it, it gave you so much more, which is, which is completely agnostic to the outcome. And yeah. in hindsight, now I can look back and say, wow, really, if it wasn't for those hours in the sun that my mother drove my sister and me to and, you know, stood inside a stadium while watching us run circles around the field for like endlessly forever or swimming mm. class or tennis class or basketball class, I don't think I would be this person today. Uh, yeah. I see a direct connect between the values that my mom and all the training instilled in me to the values I'm trying to carry today as a yoga teacher. So like yeah. full connection. You know, it's amazing that you mentioned that because I've been trying to think back in those situations. Because I can kind of draw parallels with what you just said, where, you know, it was from everything from going from piano classes to um, going, you know, horse riding in six in the morning to going nice. to for summer camp. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, but many times it was your mom telling you, you have to do this, right? It was, uh, and, and maybe not because you have to represent India and dressage or anything, uh, but you just go, you just go because it's it was affordable in that point in the sense we could have access to it. We went to the club for tennis or I even say, for instance, golf, I started when I was 14. It was being out nice. in the sun, right? I never won nice. a single tournament. I never became a scratch handicapper. I never became a successful jockey or any of those things, but I did all of it. And so now when I look back in the middle, I stopped and I was like, no, I'm not going to do anything anymore for other people. So now I'm revisiting all those things. And just the idea of doing things without the outcome being the main focus gives you a sense of um, a whole round, uh, sort of a well-rounded life. You know what I mean? It's it's You kind of get a pleasure from maybe doing an outdoor activity, a sense of pleasure from playing or practicing an instrument. You get a sense of pleasure from reading. And all these things were encouraged, I feel. It wasn't a sole focus. Of course, can't generalize for the generation. But I feel what you just mentioned is so true because... It's not one thing that you've developed over the course. It's not like the only thing you are is law, right? You have no. so many other things that influence uh, each other. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think we are the sum product of all our experiences for mm. however long we've lived. And 
um i think people use steve jobs as a same same example right and yeah. we've all read his biography right he learned calligraphy he learned coding he learned languages and suddenly one fine day all of that suddenly came together and apple was born i i think mm. to yeah. each one of us like really if you have the time take a breath sit back think you are the sum of all your beautiful experiences and the sum of all your bad experiences because you've all learned so much from all our bad experiences and oh, that's absolutely. what makes us and that's what makes us who we are that's what gives us the strength and the power to be who we want to be uh, absolutely that's yeah, really right yeah it's it's little different in today's times um i think there's there's too much internet there's too much social media there's too much I think there's too much um of a bait there's too much of a law for these people uh who are uh, I mean when I see these people all of us and of course when we when we see this I'm sure even you and I who are not um from the generation that was completely uh brought up with smartphones and the internet but even when you and I say for instance we go to YouTube and there's a video which says um get the best golf swing in 5 steps we will click on it you know what i mean yeah yeah because absolutely. it's absolutely it is it's there it's difficult a, not it, to be tempted by it oh absolutely and i i, I don't sit here in a position of holier than thou i think we've yeah. all been folly to the irresponsible absurdity of spending till 4am in the morning browsing one youtube video or one meme after the other realizing yeah. that hell i haven't slept all night what the hell am i doing yeah. we we've all been there Yeah. But but the but the larger issue is what I call or what I read or what I call is the culture of overconsumption. The culture of over, work, right? The culture of overconsumption. Overcon. All oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right, we right. we eat we eat more than we need to. We mm. watch shit more than we really need to yeah. watch. Yeah. We breathe more than we really need to. Uh, everything is all imbalanced towards overconsumption, and I think that's that's tremendously that's sad that for, for these kids. You know. it's it's not just the kids it's all of us i would say us i mean too. I, i would say us too of course but for these kids whose the parents and I, i mean there's no blame here first of all it's just a conversation but the parents who went from say your mom my mom who said where that where the two marks where could you have improved to no worrying no worries my my darling you are the best and don't uh, even if you come last you're first from the back and all these statements right it it creates i think this sense of um, inability to i wouldn't say resistance but this inability to hand uh, or rather lowered resilience we, because i think we've all lost we've all cried we've all felt embarrassed when we failed but this ability to bounce back is harder when the messaging is constantly you can be the next biggest influencer and if it's not then it's something to do with you uh, as opposed to okay there will be 30 things you try and you will fail at 29 or maybe all 30 but don't look for the big win enjoy the smaller things which you enjoy doing as opposed to the outcome alone right absolutely and yeah. and like i said i don't think it's fair to like you said actually it's not fair to single out any one i think it's just the culture we are in and yeah. i think our parents generation i think is probably the the breaking point but mm. our generation which is the the millennials and everyone below generation z p whatever the alphabets are mm. i think we're all where internet changed the paradigms like drastically yeah. Yeah. internet gave power to advertising in a way that it was never before their earlier choice was on a television ad on doordarshan or on a billboard yeah. right or when you or you are you walking down brigade road you happen to see like you know a window yeah. shot on the but tv internet, was static right the tv was mo- not mobile it was in one place yeah. 
which exactly. you would turn on. Yeah. And you would share it with the whole family. And, and there was no AI and algorithm saying, yeah. hey, you watch this video. Do you want to watch this next? And, you know, yeah. uh, all the sponsors stuff and all. So I think it's, I think internet changed the entire paradigm. And I think yeah. we've all been prey to it. Yeah. Uh, this culture of overconsumption, including me, yeah. uh, in all honesty. I mean, no, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. I'm on the same like, like, I'm a slave I, I, to my I, phone for sure. Not only phone. I think it's just... Uh, what I mean by phone is, I mean the things that the phone gives me access to. Uh, it's not only what's... that. It's actually, it's not only that, right? I mean, I can be honest with you on this. I yeah. was a good lawyer. I worked in a great law firm. Yeah. I had a great quality of life. Mm. Uh, but then I also surrounded myself with objects, whether it's those fancy suits or fancy shoes or a fancy car or, you know, going out for fancy dinners or all of that stuff mm. it's the classical case of overconsumption i have the disposable yeah. income yeah but and there and there is this power of choice that i have and my monetary strength gives me more access and therefore i can exercise it uh you know, long term great... is it sustainable yeah sorry i just finished the thought long term yeah, absolutely long term is it sustainable uh, at least for me it was let me just say that if for, for me it was no i mean it's great to hear it from you, from you, right? Because we hear now, and you did mention this, that when we had this choice of career back in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was, it was a few uh, career options, right? Law, uh, medicine, engineering, uh, maybe the civil service, service or whatever, right? Um, but you did go down the path of law and you mentioned just now that you were really good at what you do. And um, you kind of are then given these things, these privileges, these perks, then especially the monetary um, material uh, benefits. But you know, nowadays we hear people saying, pursuing your passion, let go of the conventional job. And I want to hear it from you. And it's, it's amazing hearing it from someone who's been successful because I, I never really had a good job, a well high paying job. I just kind of one day said, you know what? I'd rather do stand up and not waste time in a job, which I'm not doing well anyway. And it wasn't like a really lucrative job where I had that much disposable income. So stand up was, I'd rather do that. And it kind of 11 years later, I'm looking back going, maybe it was a really good way to sort of uh, hold a mirror to myself. But when you just mentioned this thing, um, what is the sense of, I don't have a question, but it's just kind of this, this what are the emotions um, that made you realize, and you just mentioned this briefly, but when, so you're in this thing, you have a really good job, you're doing your job well, people are sort of holding you in high regard because you're this really successful lawyer, you are also flattering your lifestyle with um, high income choices, which you're doing with your, the way you, your, the way you appear, the way you enjoy, the way you spend that money. Uh, so what is this thought process? And what is this thing that interrupted that thought, thought process going, wait a second, what is going on? Because I find, I hear this in a lot of people, right? You're a person uh, who changed, but there are a lot of people who just mindlessly say, okay, now it's a Ferrari tomorrow. I want the new Aventador or the Aventador, I want the Rolls Royce. It's a never ending. It's a, it, it just keeps getting worse. But what was that thing, which was a wake up call for you? It's a very long winded point. I could just said, what was the wake up call for you? But I, oh, <laughs> and it's, it, it's a question that, uh, I could keep rambling on in an answer to for the next one hour. So Sandeep, mm. cut me short if you need to. Yeah, no, uh, I'm really keen on knowing this because I think I it's think, very important to I, understand what the wake-up calls were. I think, I think for the, okay, let me put it this way. I think the, the first was this knowing sense inside 
that mm. of what is my true purpose mm. why am i here on this earth uh we've all been blessed with four hands two limbs uh, some don't have hands some don't have limbs some have mm. sight don't have sight but we're still here on this earth right mm. what is our purpose as to why we are here on this earth there has to be a purpose to it our purpose cannot be going to work every single day mm. our purpose cannot be acquiring more and more wealth around us what is our true purpose in life mm. i think for me there was this knowing sensation that am i really fulfilling or do i even really know my true, true purpose mm. um i think it started from there um i let that thought be for a little for a long while cuz i didn't have an answer to that i didn't have mm. a plan i wasn't qualified for anything else i was i didn't think i was good enough for anything else mm. i was very comfortable in these labels and tags of successful lawyer capital markets well dressed mm. right those all labels and tags that either people had given me or i had given myself and i was very comfortable in that yeah yeah um, so it's a good facade like, to hide behind right it's it's absolutely great and and don't get me wrong right to anyone out there if you love your job and you're passionate about it like and you do it with complete love devotion humility and grace mm. until you're doing it right yeah, yeah and enjoy and the money enjoy the enjoy it completely yeah. completely Absolutely. enjoy it, right but there comes a point and everyone i believe everyone in this life in this human form in this particular life that we lead today not our reincarnated life or previous or past life mm. we all have a purpose yeah right george your purpose could be very well being a stand up comedian bringing happiness and laughter to people's faces it mm. could be very well introducing people to other thoughts and opinions through your podcast and if that's your purpose then live life to fulfill that purpose mm, don't yeah. worry about consequences or whether i'll be successful unsuccessful all of that the minute we yeah. get down to those we're still coming back to selfish acts yeah uh so for me it was just this gnawing burning sensation inside what is my purpose what is my purpose yeah i didn't have an answer i was still in the rat race so I let it be then a series of unfortunate events happened in life uh, i got divorced which was at that point of time hurtful uh no, one, i want to just another point so when was that lifestyle affecting your marriage or did this change in the no, lifestyle no. affect your marriage no it's got okay. nothing that the two two completely in, okay. independent okay, cool. independent independent thoughts okay just want uh, to understand sorry for no nothing yeah no 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 worries and i again so you know it's really at the moments of lows mm. that you really for some reason we look back and look at ourselves in a new light yeah uh, everyone always says you know what hey i'm feeling i'm so depressed i am so unhappy have you really ever heard anyone walk up to you and say hey sandeep i'm happy hey sandeep i'm on top of the moon mm. no right everyone always says hey i'm depressed yeah. so it is again at these moments that you're not feeling great with yourself that i actually enrolled myself in what is called the happiness program uh it used to be called the happiness program now i think it's called the breath and meditation program by shri shri ravi shankar at auto okay okay so at this point you had given up your job uh, no no i'm still in my job oh, you're still in the law firm this okay is, yeah yeah okay. this is still 2012 uh, like right. i know so i'm still very much in my job doing what i'm supposed to do right and i think that workshop was the beginning of a spark in me mm. um you know sometimes like like they say right you need another matchstick to light another matchstick right <laughs> yeah yeah 
right so yeah. if my if if i were to equate my deep desire of finding a purpose and my my purpose essentially is to help other people yeah and i and to go back and to call back to the fact that i wanted to be a doctor i really think i wanted to be a doctor even when i was young because i wanted to help other people yeah. so yeah. the only the only you sort of you need another mastic learning mastic and that entire happiness breath and meditation program actually truly opened my eyes to a whole different possibility of me um i think that was that was a starting point my parents are yoga teachers and you know everyone's parents say go do this go do this and as children we say no i don't want to do this yeah. my mother and father are both yoga teachers and art of living teachers and they've been saying go do yoga go do yoga last 30 years of my life and i said no yeah but i happened to turn to it by myself in a moment when i was at a pretty low time in my life mm. and it opened up the potential of what of my own potential to me and yeah. that start and that process and the thought process started with slowly and steadily fixing things mm. we accumulate so much baggage in our lives that yeah. you know it's it sometimes it's easy for some people to drop everything sometimes it mm. takes time for some people and especially if you're working within a system then it's harder to keep dropping and yeah, letting yeah. go and letting go <clears throat> yeah. and just surrendering to the process so i think it took me my good 7 8 years to finally figure out what is it i truly wanted to do what i believe my purpose was and is to help people to finally let go of emotions attachments anger mm. fear resentment yeah you yeah know, all the stuff that we just build up inside it just holds so tightly it yeah. just took its own while slowly let go and then finally a couple of years ago i i decided to move on from the legal mm. from, from the legal Uh, fraternity i mm. spoke to my bosses who were supportive is an understatement of what they were mm. um i've had a lovely equation with them over the last 20 years they're fully mm. supportive they've seen me grow spiritually economically as mm. a man over the last 20 years and they were extremely supportive and they gave me the freedom to pursue what i wanted to do and as i yeah. yeah and i slowly went in deeper and deeper into yoga and what truly yoga is and what mm. it means and yeah 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 i think what's remarkable is the sense of um so many layers you have to let go or rather have to come off right because you might um you know grow up in a city but just by virtue of that there is these layers of attachment which come from um what how family perceive you how friends perceive you your classmates as classmates your batchmates your college mates your colleagues then you add the next layer of okay the employers employees and then you have all these various things as you said they keep building up into the structure which you call your life but a lot of times because of one way of you being conditioned saying okay put value to outcome and money everything as a result is influenced by that particular thought process right you uh, want to be seen with the right kind of friends you want to have the right kind of conversations in the right kind of places the 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 clicks you form the groups you form the the kind of energy that you put out is i want to be accepted by this group as a result you change and you kind of kind of even if you are this person you say no no but this particular person doesn't work in this environment because i have to fit in as opposed to develop and enjoy 
I mean, instead of looking inward and saying, what can I be with everything I have and don't have, you become this mold of what people expect you to do because of this one decision you took or rather one incentive, which was wealth and money and outcome, right? So there's so many things to undo, which is amazingly difficult, right? Because it's it's constant, um, this, this, this idea that everything I know and I knew is going to be... Um, changed is going under my feet. I mean, of course, not in a very instantaneous uh, sort of situation. It's not going to happen overnight, but still letting go of that is such a terrifying um, act, act, right? You're like, oh my God, okay, if I just like, say for instance, if I say I'm done with stand-up, it's not that I'm, I don't mean I, I'd love performing on stage, but it's this 11-year thing, which was the people I met, the kind of the conversations I have, the kind of identity which people associate with me, everything's going. So it's 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 quite impressive, I mean, not impressive, but it's quite remarkable that um, you were able to do that. And um, what is the sense you feel now with attachment? Like, is is it uh, because now you're you're into um, this space of spirituality and using yoga to help people? And how does it feel? Uh, I think that's pretty much the question. Like, how does it feel being in this space right now? I think liberating um, mm. is. I think the simplest answer. Uh, mm. There is a, a little phrase, a sutra in the Yongsara Upanishad, which actually says, which basically says that I am surrendering because I want freedom. I mm. am the anxious one and I want liberation. But the only way to, to achieve that is by letting go and by surrendering. Not surrendering in the sense of quitting or giving mm. up, Mm. But letting go, like you just said, of all of these baggages, all of these mm. preconceptions of notions of who you are, how other people perceive you, your preconceptions of relationships. Mm. Uh, you may have socialized notions of what's right and wrong through this mm. past, through, through your past life, through the current life, your experiences. The idea simply of just letting go of all of that is extremely liberating. Um, yeah. And it's a journey. It doesn't happen in a flash, right? I cannot sit here and uh, and say like, hey, Sandeep, I've dropped everything. I'm floating three feet up off the air while talking to you. No, it's a journey. And yeah. every day of yoga or a yoga practice is cherishing that journey, mm. digging a little deeper, feeling a little more of that layer of yourself again and again. Which is why when you said, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? And I was like, uh, really? Should I? But then I realized, you know what? If nothing else, I've, I have started a journey. And it's yeah. it's great for me to be able to share the beginnings of this journey with whoever your audience is. A uh, few years later, when I'm a few years down this journey, we can have another conversation. But the idea is yeah. to share We won't journey. connect on a podcast. We'll connect telepathically, you know. Like, uh, just, <laughs> also, but yeah. if the idea is just to share the journey with as many people as possible and hopefully people can see for themselves that there is only one reason and one reason why we, why we are so stressed out is because we don't really know ourselves. Mm. That's it. Nothing else. Because you always want to be something. I did too. Okay. I wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I wanted to be the sharpest guy in the room. I wanted to be A, B, C, D. But if you just, again, let go of that want at, at itself, you'll really be able to see who you truly are for yourself. 
You know, just um, while you say that point, I want to throw in one thing. You commonly hear this, right? Oh, it's great to do yoga and great to do spirituality, but you, in reality, you need money. What will you do without money? So someone might think that, right? Oh, I'd love to do what Arjun is just saying right now and start this journey, but I need that job that pays me money, right? Because I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I've heard this thing being thrown. Oh, it's great to talk about doing comedy, but what you do it because you have a, a home, a family that supports you. I'm like, okay, cool. But you mentioned this to me when we met last time. That's why I'm bringing it up now. That um, these are questions that determine your choices, right? Sadly or fortunate, whatever it may be, whatever the motivation for you may be. When you're doing these uh, kind of evaluations in your life, some people, um, I'm speaking on behalf of them, might say, okay, it's great. I'd love to experience this journey of inner um understanding appreciation but what will i do because in the reality of the of the world we need to survive with the currency being money so what would your i mean how would you answer someone who has these kind of um questions i would say i would say you do what you have to do to earn the money mm. uh, but don't make money your purpose don't make money mm. the reason mm. for your existence right you go you go to work because you love the people you work with. You go to work mm -hmm. because there is a beautiful intersection of what you love to do, what the world really wants. Someone is willing to pay you for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's the theory of Ikigai, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the great Chinese, the great Japanese philosophy as well. So mm. if you go, go work, go make money, but don't make it the sole purpose of what you do, what you do. I did right. that right. partly. And right. that's what I'm saying is a big distinction. There are N number of dear, dear friends who are still at the law firm where I used to work with, and they found a better balance than I did, right? Uh, yeah. Good for them. I'm, we're still, I'm supportive of them. They're supportive of me. But for me, I was, I had to really pull myself out from way down in deep. And I, I'm the kind of person I am as well also plays into this, right? I'm an yeah. all or nothing kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore... I had to pull myself completely out of that quicksand and like move to a completely different shore as far away from that quicksand. Yeah, possible. yeah. Uh, but I would say to those people going back to the point, hey, go ahead, do your job, do it with love, devotion, do it for the right reasons and the right purpose. Mm. Money will happen as a byproduct. Yeah. The only and one thing I would add to that is remember to spend time with yourself. Don't let your work become your life, even if it was whatever your larger purpose is. Find some time every single day for yourself, whether it's that 10 minutes in the morning when you wake up and you just sit in your balcony or sit in your bedroom all by yourself, uninterrupted with just whatever thoughts you have. Spend a few moments on your breath. Just find that 10 minutes for yourself. Then go ahead and live your day as you would, like I said, with love, emotion, and humility. You'll be fine. I, I think there's so much truth um, to that. I, I can vouch for just something as simple as maybe even starting out with an app or starting out with a five-minute guided meditation on a whatever, right, a playlist. I think just the practice of every day, just trying to, not even focusing on any particular thing, starting out, I mean, even 30 years later, you might not be able to meditate, but the idea of meditation, which I've learned is spending time with yourself and it, it evolves every day. It doesn't have to be the same kind of meditation, but it's this sense that you are, for once, not being distracted by the noise or trying to not focus on the noise externally, but trying to look within, which is such a 
such an amazing thing because then you realize that, wait a second, I've spent 38 years in my case that I'm looking out, trying to impress the world, trying to be a part of it, fit in. When I have such a big world inside, I don't even know anything about, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's amazing. It, it's a very small start. Yeah. You, you That candle that you light by that yeah. 10 minutes or five minutes of your day, the yeah. glow of it will eventually pervade the entire room. Yeah. Right? It, it's a fact. It goes without saying. So you just have to just light that candle, spend that moment with yourself in the morning, however it is guided, unguided. I'm I'm not, I'm agnostic to any of those. Just start, yeah. spend time, breathe. Spend time right. breathing and everything will work out for you. So there's this entire thing of overconsumption you mentioned. And since we're talking about now specifically with, um, because you've now, gone into the space of yoga practice and helping people, especially with breath work, which you mentioned. What do you mean? Because you recommended that book to me and I spoke about it in the couple of episodes back on the podcast, uh, the book Breath by James Nestor, right? Really good book, by the way. Thanks for uh, suggesting yes, that. Um, and he mentions the same thing, over-breathing. Yeah. Um, and we have this, uh, more and more we hear this conversation around stress and the human body and and we are hearing more and more of unfortunate instances where people who are much, who are young in today's numbers, right, in their 30s Un and 40s. Unfortunate, unfortunate, yes. Yeah, having yes. some massive, in, you know, physical, um, you know, incidents which are, you know, in many cases lethal. Um, so as a practitioner, as a person who's spent time looking at breath work, looking at the Vedas, looking at literature in this space, um, can you explain, first of all, what may be happening with the body, the breath, and the mind? Ooh. I mean, mm. explain or maybe just some context from what your perspective is. I'm not trying to put you on the line here. No, no, no. Uh, there's, there's a lot in that question, man. There are great <laughs> depths to that question. Um, okay. Let's at least try and capture the tip of the iceberg uh, mm. for today. What is the first thing we do when we're born? We inhale. Mm-hmm. What is the last thing we do when we die? We exhale. That right. breath of air that leaves the body when we die. It is one of the most autonomous acts in the body. It happens mm. by itself. Right. Like we blink, like our heart beats, like our endocrine system pumps out stuff, our digestive system works. Yeah. That's part one. Mm. What what happens when you're happy to your breath? Mm. You go, ah, you inhale with joy. Right. What happens when what happens when you're angry with your breath? It becomes short and raspy, right? Mm. The breath is the first and the last thing you do. The breath is directly connected to your emotions as well. Mm. But we believe the breath to be autonomous. What's mm. happened as a result of time overconsumption, and as the book, as the book uh, by James Nestor breath also says our facial structures have also changed which is all which is causing crazy when i read that i was so, absolutely crazy right i and, mean from and, snouts to you know we mocked yeah. our ancestors the apes saying haha we're from yeah. monkeys what nonsense and then this whole creationism versus evolution but yeah. then clearly they breathe uh they had a better way of breathing their breath was much more conducive and we are the ones going, is that a perfect nose, a sculpted aquiline <laughs> nose, which is apparently really fucked up for us. <laughs> so, so what's really happened is the fact that we work all day, hunched over our desks, we don't mm. eat right. Our breathing pattern over the years anatomically has changed 
and physiologically has also changed mm. the, the human body breathes about 23 20 23000 times a day mm. uh, which is around about 12 15 16 breaths a minute for most people mm. and it's surprising that actually we can function by breathing five times a minute that's yeah. all you really need what yeah. happens as a result of over breathing is a fact that we're over oxygenated the balance between oxygen and carbon dioxide is out of imbalance in the body a, a, over breathing is a big reason for hypertension mm. for 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 depression as well for anxiety for heart issues which There is, is so no weird time, yeah which is that you're not giving enough time for your body to release all the stuff that's built up what does the exhale do the exhale is not just a release of carbon dioxide the mm. exhale is a release like you crap in the morning right yeah. the yeah. exhale is a release of all the toxins as well from your body while we constantly breathing shallow in out in out the balance is all messed up we're not mm. able to expel out all the carbon dioxide all the toxins all the waste all the stress as well uh, cortisol in all our bodies is really high because we all live in stress right i was a lawyer for 20 years right i was running on one treadmill jumping onto another treadmill mm. uh, high stress when do you ever get a time to detox from the stress mm. so that's that's the today's world answer to your question of what is breath if you look at it going back um into the ancient text mm. uh if you go back to and i go back right to the very start to patanjali's yoga sutra mm. there was a book written in i think 3000 years ago no yeah. one even really knows whether there was a patanjali or is a patanjali but it's the mm. seminal text for yoga yeah it's got and that man was a genius i must say i don't know how 3000 years ago anybody has such a keen insight of the human mind all its mm. afflictions and he very clearly is written out there that the only way to fix all of this is to find a comfortable seated position and mm. breathe mm. and breathe you have the mind is plagued by a number of afflictions as mm. they say chitta vritti tanroda so but you can control all of this if you just breathe you can regulate your inhale regulate your exhale mm. you can hold your inhales hold your exhales and from that is the birth and the genesis of pranayama mm. what is a very pranayama that everyone all the yoga practitioners in the world teach and practice the genesis is a very simple sutras in patanjali yoga sutra that go oh, you can control all these aspects of your mind just mm. by controlling your breath how if we angry our breath changes but why not the reverse why can't we control our anger with our breath why can't right. we control our minds with our breath yeah. so at a physical level breathing is is extremely important Yeah. Uh, it slows down your heart rate mm. they say at least medical science says that every heart is born with a defined life how many right. times it will beat for you wouldn't right. wouldn't it wouldn't be amazing if you could prolong that by slowing down your heartbeat yeah the only way to slow down your heartbeat is by to breathe slower you breathe deeper have less stress let go of the stress in your breath your heart rate will also slow down You know, in this book, they mentioned uh, this idea of how CO two levels, uh, higher CO two levels in the body, being good. Uh, I don't know if I misread that, misheard that, but uh, there's some um, things they're doing, right? Using carbon dioxide therapy to help people with anxiety, depression, where they give you a hit of CO two. Do Do you know? Do you have more insight on that? Because I couldn't really understand all of it. 
not not to get too much into the science of it again yeah. uh, right but the point being really simple carbon dioxide is not only just a byproduct it's an mm. essential element of who, who our body composition is as well right by by getting into this uh, consumption of being over breathers the balance of o2 to co2 with nitrogen and the other mm. smaller gases is mm. out of balance right very simple right that that that's truly the absolute essence of it if you spend more time with co2 in your body again this has a direct linkage back to pranayama so you spend more time with co2 in your body which effectively means you exhale out all your air and you hold your breath and don't breathe in your body actually learns to process the oxygen that your is there in your blood cells a lot more efficiently your organs become stronger your heart becomes what is so happening right now when you expel all the air in your lungs and you keep that uh, and you don't inhale any more for a few seconds your body takes what you have it's kind of like already the the body burning fat reserves equivalent of that kind of thing your body your body tapping into the deepest reserves of wherever you have oxygen to fuel itself and therefore you become a lot basically your body becomes more efficient ah okay uh there's this other guy i, I uh there's this i think he's dutch another breathing expert but a crazy adventurer by the name of wim hof yes they mentioned the guy in the book yeah 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 okay so wim hof method is also aimed at at similar he can he's climb to 8000 meters on everest wearing nothing but a piece of nothing but a pair of shorts he's climbed kilimanjaro in a pair of shorts he swam under the arctic ice floats he swam underneath it for like hundreds of meters mm. uh, again it's about power of the breath how the power of the breath can regulate your organs how the power of your breath can generate internal heat mm. by itself as well to make sure that everything functions so it's the, the science being the fact that the breath is not completely autonomous there is a certain amount of uh say and uh, that mm. you can have uh it doesn't have to be by itself i think that's the broad paradigm of the book if i could bring it down to a nutshell i would go back to the simple point of just spend time breathing and send your consciousness and awareness to your breath every single day yeah and you teach that i mean it's amazing you uh that you are able to help people because we hear of help coming in so many different ways and many times it's more intellectual it's more rational right whether it's therapy or whether it's uh, physical activities you kind of you know you kind of see people giving um lessons in life but something on such a fundamental and i can even call it intimate right because each person's breath is so their own even though we all share it we all are different breathers and Absolutely. trying to you know it's i mean just just thinking of that going okay i'm going to teach you how to breathe and i'm like what <laughs> it's it's quite um it must be quite a thing because I, i let me ask you this because with the internet again being this companion of ours in the 21st century uh, and access to so many youtube videos so many breathing practices which are on on these platforms uh where you have literally tens of thousands of ways like where you some people are you do the box breathing then you mention this person from the that his style of breathing then you have the various foundations teach you breathe and is there a way where you should be a little cautious and learn the step by step because you have gone in slow at the same time guided through a teacher but is there a risk of getting into this too deep and getting in over your head with only watching online 
um, courses or online breathing programs and could it have a negative effect on you? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked that question. Absolutely true. Um, each one of these breathing patterns is not meant for everyone. If you have a heart condition yeah. and I ask, and if, if I ask you to, you know, make your breath more excitable, it's not going to be good for you. Mm. If you're pregnant and I ask you to do a, a pranayam that holds your breath, it's yeah. not going to be good for you or your baby. Right. right? So, yes, absolutely. So the specific pranayams and the specific counts and the holdings, yes, you definitely need a, a teacher, someone who's walked that path before. Mm. But just breathing what we do, it, it doesn't need a teacher. It doesn't yeah. come at a price. It, it needs nothing but just your attention, awareness and stillness. And for okay. that, there are no side effects. Absolutely none. So that's basically a few breaths in. I mean, a few uh, breathe in with a few seconds through your nose. Breathe out for a few seconds through your seconds nose. Seconds through your nose. Right. And the more you do it, the more you will experience what your body is capable of. Not just mm. physically, but even mentally. Uh, breathing has a profound impact on how it affects your parasympathetic system as well. How it mm. relaxes you how it invigorates, how an inhale can actually invigorate your endocrine system, your thyroid, your pituitary gland, uh, you know, and all, get all the good, what are we all chasing in this world? Mm. You know, we spoke earlier, going back to a conversation we had about 10 minutes ago, what are we all chasing? Yeah. We're all chasing the same thing, happiness. Whether you call that happiness in the, is a form of a high, whether it's you may take drugs for it or happiness high when you do retail therapy or high yeah. when you successfully close a deal or a high when you've had a great podcast or you walked out of a great show, we're all chasing a high in life, right? Mm. Nothing else. That, that sense of happiness. Yeah. But truly and actually, if you really think about it, that, that sense of happiness and high is nothing but a release of certain chemicals in your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what if I told you, I'm not at me, what if... There is a mountain of scientific literature out there that just we haven't been exposed to that tells you that, hey, all you really have to do is just sit and breathe with a certain awareness. Mm. And all those little chemicals, all those stuff that releases in your brain that makes you feel happy and high, you will find it just in TV. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. I think many times we just, the, 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 the reason why we're in this mess in my um, experience is because of we're distracting ourselves from what is potentially available to us. We ask ourselves the wrong questions. We're seeking all the answers in the wrong places. I mean, I, I, because you get this sense, right? With uh, when you say breathing, it's such a, it's such a, it's it's so accessible. It's there. It's, you don't need to learn how to. In the sense, you don't have to take up a course and breathing you can actually do it just by inhaling through your nose it's very basic learning right but yeah, we absolutely. complicate it and I think many times we're so scared I think and I was just thinking about this this morning the one thing which is guaranteed and as you mentioned is one thing we are born in is breathing and we're going to breathe out and we're not going to breathe in after that's called death and we are of course all going to die but instead of I think what we I, I this is of course a personal view is instead of saying, okay, you know, I am going to die. So I'd rather live well and use this breath, which is my, which is synonymous with life. Let me do that well. As opposed to that, we put all these barriers around us going, no, no, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. You know, it's kind of this distraction from death, which I, I think has become this problem where we're trying to 
run away from the inevitable, uninevitable or the inevitable. Uh, I forget which word that is. Inevitable, yeah. No, I so agree with you. And, and just to like layer on to that, I, I truly believe that being human is a profound opportunity we all have. Mm. With all our faults, with all our disabilities, just being human is a profound opportunity for each one of our consciousness to discover whatever its potential is. Yeah. And it starts with just slowing things down. And the only way to slow things down is again, just take those five minutes and for yourself in the morning. Hmm. Have a breath. Have a breath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I want to ask you something from a breath point of view, right? Like I sometimes, you know, I'm lying down reading a book or whatever, and it's not the ideal posture for breathing. But, you know, I say, okay, let me be aware of my breath. So I do, um, you know, resort to abdomen breathing, where you kind of feel the diaphragm expanding, and then you take it through your nose, you do three counts in six counts. And after like, say 12 counts, um, you're expecting results. So you're expecting a change. And then you feel uneasy, like, oh, my God, what is happening? And say, you kind of feel borderline anxious. So what is someone? Um, I mean, of course, there's no answer to this when I mean what is someone supposed to feel but what what how does someone um, you know wait because these things are not immediate like it's not like taking a hit of cocaine I, I suppose I mean maybe it's even more powerful but uh, if you're doing it if you're not if you just want to start small if you're taking just these basic steps into breathing with your nostrils through your nostrils initially uh, how does someone keep and keep themselves encouraged uh, without resorting to these drastic steps of just saying, okay, I'm going to join a, a three-day crash course in, you know, Kapalabhati breathing or something like that, you know? So what, what are like little markers that you can encourage yourself with? I think the first thing is it's only five minutes a day. Right. Okay. Right? You spend more, more time than that probably in the bathroom in the mornings. Mm. Right? Yeah. So you brush your teeth every day. Yeah. No, no one tells you why you brush your teeth. Mm. I mean, your parents inculcated that habit in us. We realize the value of it now. No one mm. needs to tell us. Otherwise, our enamel will go and our teeth will be rotten and we'll have bad breath and we'll have blah, blah, blah. Mm. But no one questions that, right? Yeah. Everyone knows that they have to eat healthy. Yeah. We, cho we choose to, we choose not. That's <laughs> yeah. a different matter. Yeah. Right? So if, if a simple act of... Oh, let me put it even more bluntly. We clean, we clean our posterior after we take a dump, right? Yeah. We, we do it. No one tells us, oh, you have to do it. It was yeah. told to us when we were one and a half years old. Since then, it's inbuilt into our system. Yeah, yeah. So all our, all where you and I are talking about is, is just that simple act of five minutes. Hmm. Uh, there is no marker for it. I think uh, you need to do something repeatedly again and again with a certain humility and with a certain detachment of consequences for it to truly percolate into your consciousness. Okay. Uh, I think everyone should, the challenge arises again because we are wanting something out of it. Mm. Yeah, I want to feel bliss. I want to feel what Sandeep and Arjun were talking about. I want mm. to feel this high. But the minute you want to feel that high, you'll never feel it. I promise <laughs> you. It'll never mm. happen. This is so, not, a, I mean, we're not talking about cocaine, right? Yeah. It'll never happen. The minute Don't focus on the outcome go, even in this. Not even this. The minute you let go of the outcome, you let go of the process of the outcome, and you just spend that few minutes yourself, 
you will you will experience the, the power of it like i said if you like every brain is different if you're an analytical mind contact sandeep contact me if you're listening i can we can send you a mountain of scientific data mm-hmm. on papers by learned authors great scientists on exactly what we're talking about and him and i are not even touching the tip of the tip of the iceberg in our conversation yeah. right no absolutely so if if it, i don't know about, how much is out there yeah exactly if you're an analytical person we have the scientific data for you if you're a more spiritual person we can direct you to the relevant passages and interpretations in of the gita the vedas the upanishads which all talk about the breath and the power of yoga and the power of the union of the body mind and soul Mm. uh so it depends a different strokes for different folks whatever path leads you to it uh, is absolutely fine but the starting point is all same for everyone the ending point is the same for everyone it's the journey we take that is different for everyone i think it's beautifully said no and you you do this in your yoga practice you're not uh putting emphasis on hot yoga cold yoga whatever the thousands of styles of yoga there which is which now people um think is only asana practice vigorous asana practice as you hear sometimes how many surya namaskaras can you do how much can you stand on your how long can you stand on your head for but you mentioned to me that you solely focus if not um you know a little bit of asana but you mainly focus on breath work right yes and just a little segue and I'll, a question from me to you is mm. yoga a verb or a noun Oh, first of all, I think I don't know what the difference between a verb and a noun. <laughs> Man, you made this and oh, you just turned this on my head. I'm like, shit. I feel English. <laughs> no, no. I, um, I think, um, shit. Okay, what is? Okay. Uh, I I think the fact the fact that you just struggled, I think hmm. automatically your brain suddenly realized that hey, I've always thought of the fact that hey, I go do yoga. I'm going to yoga class. I practice yoga. Yeah. But yoga. is actually a noun in your word yoga means union right a union of you with yourself a union of okay forget the you took me back up. to first standard where i was like i need to answer this to get a gold star and i didn't get the gold star <laughs> no you did your 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 pause and your hesitancy was itself to me illuminating of the fact that yes most people have a preconceived notion of yoga as being a verb or something mm. you do but yoga is a state of being mm. right so Yes I agree in today's common parlance we use yoga as a verb so let's go with that but I think it's important to to keep that fundamental subtext in the back of our mind that mm. what we're trying to do or trying as a process of yoga is just for a brief second or a not even a second we just in our today's life achieve us a, a feeling of complete bliss that we don't have thoughts running in our head when we're mm. not distracted by our phones or our wives brothers children grandparents work But it's just a moment of complete silence and complete bliss inside you. That is yoga. Mm-hmm. So what I teach yeah. in my class is actually yes, I do teach asanas as well. But it's it's through the power of the breath what your body can achieve. Right. The breath is a wonderful medium to show you what the potential of your body is. It can create a sense of awareness. It can create a sense of somatic inquiry. it can be very individualistic and very experimental to who you are as a person as well so yes right. uh, breath is the starting point but the layer of breath carries through to the entire class including the sequence of the asanas and finally culminating in 
योग निद्रा मेडिटेशन फ्लेक्सीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीबिलिटीब
yoga practitioner, but then you're drowned out in all that noise. Then you have to get a social media marketing team. Then you have to yeah. have the right posts. I know exactly where you're yeah, coming so, from. And it's amazing and, that you're doing this to word of mouth. And I suggest word of mouth. Uh, I don't charge for my classes as well. I teach yoga for free uh, for the same reason. Because I believe it's, it's knowledge that is already available to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. I have no proprietary right to charge for it. Uh, so I share whatever I can with whoever's interested to listen or hear. Uh, so yeah, that's why no social media, no charging. But uh, I truly believe that that's, that's my purpose. Man, it's incredible. But it's, it's, so, it's so good to hear that um, you enjoy where you are yeah. today. Oh, and uh, you're happy doing what you're doing. So thank you. Um, I think on behalf of everyone who's heard, listened to us and listened to your story, thank you. Uh, and um, yeah, if you guys want to find out more about Arjun, you have to come through me and, and I charge. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Go, son. Go, son. You, you, can be, you can be my agent once I start charging. Absolutely. Sorry. But I'll come back to our golfing lessons where we have to pay, pay Nikki for coaching. <laughs> Uh, I put it to good use, don't worry. It'll all all come back where we can chill more and hang out more and do this. So uh, cheers, my friend. Appreciate it. And thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show. No, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me again. Truly, truly humble. Thank you so much. Cheers, brother. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.